1: I'm serious, it's time to put the F word back in parenting, fun parenting, oh my gosh, why can't we do this, why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens, I don't understand.
0: And now, here's your host, Tara kennedy Clive.
1: Hey Parent Nation, welcome to the show, hey Kelly, how's it going? Hi, it's going good, how about you? I'm doing okay, I'm yeah. doing okay, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to, you know what this has been a week of? Actually, two what? weeks of? What? Doing everything in my power to stay happy. Oh.
2: Is it? Is it difficult?
1: It has been because, you know, I'm on social media a lot. Yes. And my kids are home. <laughs> and I'm, you know, and my husband is off for the month of June. Oh, my gosh. Because he's in between jobs right now. And, <laughs> uh. Yeah. So this is the first time ever since he's been working. He started working when he was like 15 years old. Mm-hmm. This is the first time ever in his life that he's actually taken a vacation in between jobs. Wow. I know. So does he know what to
2: do with himself? Or? No, it's a
1: pain in my ass. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's a total pain in my ass. And uh, uh-huh. so yeah, I um. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so are my kids. He, it's so funny. My, my, my youngest son just got a job. Oh, nice. Summer. Yeah. I'm excited about that. He's working at the pool and, um, he got his first paycheck, um, on Sunday when he was at work, they get paid on Fridays, I guess. So he got his first paycheck on Sunday and he's like, I need to go to the bank tomorrow and deposit this. And I'm like, well, it's not quite that easy, pal. You have to actually set up a checking account. Hmm. Um, so you can't just, that's, that's not a two second process. You can't just go there and deposit the check and be like, and this is who I want you to credit the money to, you know, it's like, you have to go set up the account. So yesterday was Monday. Monday's insane for me. Monday is my day that I'm kind of like getting back into my groove, my work groove Yes. from the weekend. Right. Sure. And it's funny because I do a lot of business overseas, yes.
2: um,
1: you know, and and a lot of business with like China and stuff. And so they want to contact you in the middle of the night because that's during the day. for them, <laughs> <Oops. clears throat> Right. So I'm trying to get caught up on all of the people that wanted to talk to me over the weekend and were chopping at the bit and couldn't. So I'm like trying to. Th- it's my catch up day. So, like, every once in a while, you know, it's summertime, so he got up at, what, 10, 30, 11 o'clock? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Right? And then went immediately on to the video games and wanted to play video games. And I was like, you know, if you want to get shit done, we got to move. Like, we've got to do – we've got to get stuff done. This isn't, like, lounge around and then when we feel like it, go do stuff. So – long story short, I'm like going through my day. I would check in with him. I'd be like, you ready to go now? I'm in the middle of this war and I can't leave and I'll, I'll lose. And then, so then I would finally, I came back at like 20 after four and he's, and I'm like, um, you have band practice. Like you're in a band at four thirty on Mondays. You've band practice in 10 minutes. And he's like, but I wanted to go to the bank. <laughs> mm, they close at five. Well, yeah, our, our banks close at 4.30 on Mondays,
3: hmm.
1: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But anyway, you know, Pennsylvania stuff, we can't buy wine in the grocery store and, and we can't go to the bank after 4.30. So How do you survive? It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so it's apparently we're supposed to be more laid back or something. I don't know. So anyway, um, I'm like, dude, you can't go today He's like, okay, well, then I want to go after band practice. I'm like, no, the bank will be closed. The, the bank will be closed then. Kid is totally pissed off for the rest of the night, right? Oh, so yeah. Now, right? So now we have to have the conversation, your summer vacation is not my summer vacation. <laughs> oh, boy. Right? Ah, it's so bad. And then, like, this morning, like, 15 minutes before the show's going to start, my kid is jamming out to his stereo doing his exercises. I'm like, you know, you got exactly 10 minutes to keep doing that, right? What? What's the matter? I'm like, you guys, ah. So, yeah, I'm going through that. I'm trying to recreate and how many of you in Parent Nation are doing the same damn thing right now, right? I'm trying to recreate a new balanced normal for summer summer break.
2: Hmm. Because well, But once everyone catches on, it'll be time to go back to school.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the parent in me is going, can't you guys just go outside? <laughs> Like, for the rest of the summer, between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., get the hell out of my house. (laughs) I don't think it's going to work. No. Yeah. But we
0: did that when we were kids. Absolutely. Uh Uh-huh.
1: It was, you took a jacket with you because it was chilly when you were walking out the door. Yeah, maybe. Don't ruin this for me, Kelly. I live (laughs) in Pennsylvania. So oh, that's right. That's <laughs> right. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's like the sun came up. It smacked you in the face. Your room started getting hot as hell because you didn't all have central air back then in the mm-hmm. 70s. We didn't. If you so,
2: had, if you had central your, air, you were lucky. What? Oh, yeah. Are, are your kids too old to be hanging out at the pool all day? You said your one works at the pool, but we did that when I lived in New York before we moved to to arizona we were at the the community pool all day long all day long waiting in line
1: for them to open right to go jump off the high dive absolutely or go make out with your boyfriend in the deep end or whatever it was that you did and nobody knew right and no well I went to the pool on Sunday and there were a bunch of kids there. There aren't as many teenagers as there used to be. What it is now is islands of moms with their child, their little one, and they're not even talking to each other. They're on their phones, right? They're either on their phones or they're 100% engaged in their own child and Mm -hmm. no one else. I see. It's very sad and isolating. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, I remember the pool. Like, if you were a teenager, you sat as far away from the adults as you possibly could. Yes. Do you know that they barely even do adult swims anymore? Mm. Because, because the kids uh, don't, don't, they won't have any, they, they won't e- even tolerate that. What do you mean? Like the kids are like, oh, absolutely not. I'm not getting out of the pool. Oh, I see. <laughs> like, like they've become that defiant. Like when they used to call adult swim, we would grumble and groan. But you knew you better get your ass out of that pool because granny who's been sitting over there with the bathing cap for the last 30 minutes waiting for that to happen would kick your ass <laughs> if you didn't get out of the pool. She needs her water aerobics. She does. She needed her cool off time without all you crazy kids splashing her in the face. Mm Mm-hmm. Why I have this beautiful bathing cap with the daisies on it. (laughs)
2: Ha,
1: ha, ha. Do you remember those? Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Oh, Nana. (laughs) And her skin that was so, it was like transparent. Did they make the kids wear them too? I remember the swim team wearing
0: them. Hmm. I think I we had to wear them when we were kids because I didn't want all the hair clogging the drain. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah,
1: that was only in my mother-in-law's pool. Oh. <laughs> uh. We used to put lemon juice and sun in in our hair. Oh, yes. We and were baby all oil. Green. Absolutely, we were all green, blonde, and burnt <laughs> from the chlorine. Yes. Yeah. You knew that you were at the pool a lot. Like, it was like a badge of honor to have green hair. (laughs) Because it was like, you don't bathe and you go to the pool every day. Ew. It's Ew. It's awesome. We were grunge before grunge was even cool. Damn right. (laughs) (laughs) And on cold, uh, cloudy days and it was raining, we would put on our sweaties and our jeans and go to the pool anyway. Right, and just sit by the snack bar, jam out to the rad tunes. But we had our suits on, and just in case the just in sun case came. Out. The sun came out, or somebody dunked you, right?
0: <laughs> pushed you in. Somebody picked
1: you up and threw you in. Oh gosh! Sorry. Uh the happy days of summer when we were a mm-hmm. kid. You know, no worries, Kelly. Right. The biggest thing that we had to worry about was running out of ICT at the local corner store and not being able to find your friends. <laughs> right. And you couldn't <laughs> text them to find out where they were. Exactly. Like, somebody planned a party out of town and everybody was at it but you. Like, that was the biggest nightmare of summer break. Right. We... <laughs> ah, I hate social media. Memories. Are you really going to sing to us right now? Dance. Just the one word. <laughs> that's it. Light like the corners of my mind. It's funny. What were we singing yesterday? Me and my kids have dance parties all the time, and that's what we're going to talk to one of our guests about that today. But we, my kids and I have dance parties all the time, and we were coming home from dinner last night, <laughs> and I forget what the heck the song was. Um, that came on the radio but it was like a really popular new song. oh it was um oh, i forget a it. Justin not- timberlake song um no oh, but I we were that. singing it in opera voices oh and it was hysterical it was so funny i love doing stuff like that with my kids i mean <laughs> they're they're 15 16 17 years old but we still have fun right we love to have fun and every time i i i, I threatened to record it and they nah. Right. And I'm like, why won't you let us be famous? And and I scream at them. But it's like we do. We have fun with simple things like that. Right. And those are the moments like last night we watched Zootopia. Have you seen mm-hmm. Zootopia? Yes. Wow. Was oh my loves that movie. Was that a uh, an undertone, like a blatant slap in the face undertone of current racial events? <laughs> It was amazing. And my husband was like, oh, my God, this is for kids. And I'm like, yeah, what a perfect way to introduce this topic to kids, don't you think? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I thought it was brilliant because now when you're talking about these issues, because our are kids are going to see them, when you're talking about these issues, you can say something like, you remember in Zootopia when the fox wasn't allowed to buy the ice cream at the elephant store? You know, like stuff like that. Right. You know? When they say things like, you know, the predators are more prone to go savage because it's in their DNA. <gasps> oh my God, when she said that, didn't it just like hit you in the gut? <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, some of us, we're all animals. We're all, you know, we're all mammals. We're all the same that way. But some of us are more pr- prone to be savage because of our biology. Ew. Like, mean- like right? And I just, I am struggling right now because I have three teenagers who are constantly on social media and three of the most ridiculous news stories that you want to read about just bombarded the internet when they're, when they're not even in school, seven and a half hours out of the day to be away from it. Right. And that is hurting my heart so bad, Kelly. Yes. I can't even tell you it's, it's the level of conversation in my home has become so deep that it's actually painful mm. to think that we never had these types of conversations when I was 15 years old. I never talked about this kind of stuff with my parents when I was 15 years old. Right. You know, we're talking about the, the Stanford rape trial and we're talking about, you know, Orlando twice, Hmm. you know, the, uh, it's, it's just, and, and the, the fact that so many are so willing to go deep in defense mode about their own agendas before they're willing to put out something positive.
3: Really?
1: Um, you know, like, like a caring message of concern you know, <laughs> we don't even hear that. What's that. Yeah, what's a caring message of concern? You know, it's like I'm I'm still trying to figure. I I'm blessed because having three teenage boys in in the home, they're hearing a lot of messages that are attacking them personally for who they are without even knowing them. Um, you know, and yes. with the, with the whole Stanford rape trial and and consent, yes you know, the message of consent. And um, so I'm I'm having conversations with my boys that I never thought I'd have to have. And I hear it, you. yeah. Yeah. So just, I'm struggling. So I'm I'm glad that there are some bright lights um, that are that are popping up right now. Like our, our local baseball team made it all the way to the semi finals in state baseball tournament
4: oh nice
1: i know and it was a perfect storm it was one of those situations i was talking with my friends about it at at, um at the bar the other night and um it's it was like a perfect storm because these kiddos this particular group of kiddos has been playing together since they were three Mm -hmm. literally like they're this is a baseball town and uh and they've been playing baseball since they could throw a ball Yes. And swing a bat. And, uh, and so the fact that they got to play through all the levels of T-ball and B-ball and all of this stuff all the way up to high school, senior year, uh, semi, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Senior year high school team. Making it to the semifinals in a state tournament. Congratulations, Hamburg Hawks. Like, rocks. go team. Awesome. That's exciting stuff. And yet you still have the parents that are lamenting because, you know, well, my kid could have been on that team, but he decided to quit. Oh, and- yeah. And and play in that card with their kid. Like, look what you could have been, son. So (laughs) I'm excited to be talking to Janice Meredith today about uh, um, she's going to be talking to us about parenting from the sidelines, which is something that even though it's summer break, we're still facing it. You know, there's a lot of summer leagues of everything. So we're going to be talking to her. And then in our third segment, we're going to be talking to Mike Ferry. Uh, about his book, Wired to Wine, and uh, how we can create more happiness in our kids, which, thank the Lord, we're going to have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we need that right now. We need that right now. So we're going to get our kids outside and playing like we used to, and we're going to be talking about getting happy, getting our happy on, because, whoo, it's a, it's a deep, dark place, Yes. <laughs> if you're addicted to social media, which 99% of us are right now, right. so and another bright light is we're starting my Raising the Parenting Bar program tomorrow yes. at noon. I'm so excited for the ladies who have already signed up, and for those of you who haven't yet, check it out. It's on my website, it's on the TogiNet website where you are right now if you're listening, and it's on my TaraKennedyKline.com website, it's on the Parent Nation Facebook page. Um, we're going to start a community of happy. And uh, we're going to be talking a lot more about that after we come back from this break. So stay tuned, everybody. Get happy.
0: Which is why Tara's taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of business with the work from these sponsors.
3: Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming. This is TokiNet Radio.
5: It's merging Denver.
1: Okay, ladies, listen up. Did you know recent studies are suggesting that women with skinny waists but sizable hips are smarter than other women? Scientists at the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California gave cognitive tests to a group of 16,000 women and girls of different body types and found the women with the greatest hip-to-waist proportions scored higher. Hmm, I guess that would make me a
5: walking encyclopedia Britannica. Now, hold on, that doesn't mean it's okay for us to be a powder pigeon. That's another name for a woman whose sizable hips can take up a whole supermarket
1: aisle. Research suggests that the fat around fuller hips and thighs holds higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which helps the brain. I'm not sure if I would rather be able to do the Sunday crossword puzzle or get into those jeans I bought 10 years ago. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary
0: with my free app, Too Funny for Word. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy-Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents clean my
1: house <laughs> it's time to clean their house you know what it means if my house is clean i have big closets and a broken computer
0: shaken and stirred up with a twist from america's family advocate tara kennedy klein and now back to the show
1: Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited because there is, like, I'm, I'm a sports mom. I'm not going to lie. You probably already know that. You can tell by <laughs> by how I I throw my voice out there a lot, um, that I probably am the loud cheering mom on the sideline. Um, so I am so excited to have our first guest, Janice Meredith, on the show. She, uh, Janice and I have been communicating and supporting each other's messages for a long time now. Right, Janice? And, uh yeah, and, and she's, been, she's been a coach's wife for three decades, a sports mom for 21 years. She's a youth sports expert. Um, she writes for her own site, jbmthinks.com, which is awesome if you uh, want to check it out. And she writes for a lot of other sports, um, cnn.com, Huffington Post, a lot of other um, outlets. And uh, so she's here to talk to us today about how to um, not be an asshole – uh, when it comes to our kids' sporting events, right, Janice? Woohoo!
4: <laughs> Absolutely, man. If we could do that, we'd have a great youth sports culture.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't even. I can't even. Like, the, the difference between. So, here's a little background from my point of view, Janice, which is why I wanted you on the show, um, because I love you. And <laughs> so, I grew up in sports events promotions. Like, from the time I was six years old, I was helping my dad promote and score biathlons, triathlons, running events, biking events, um, you know, and I was always in track and field and I was always in, I did every sport a little bit until I got tired of it or I didn't like the coach and then I would quit because my parents allowed me to do that. So... I my my experience with sports, I got to see a lot of really talented young people quit or burn out because of ridiculous parents, but the ones who had amazingly supportive parents went really really far. Like I knew people who were Olympians because they had not the, the parent who drug them out of the finish line by their hair because they didn't make a, a, a personal best, but because they had the parents that were there at every single event cheering them on, you know, dedicated to their kids' success in a positive way. And I, I'm seeing less and less of that positive parenting as I get older and start to see my own kids go through sports.
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, it's, it's an epidemic, um, and you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. I think that people like to blame the coaches. They like to blame the parents. They like to blame industry in the sense that people are trying to make money. I mean, there's big money in a, in a lot of, uh, companies that, you know, make money off of youth sports. Um, so there's a lot of reasons for it. It just kind of, it's like one of those things that, you know, it started off innocent and fun and it just started morphing and snowballing and, and into what we have now, so yeah, it's gotten crazy.
1: Here's what here's what makes me insane. During the summer, right now, I'm seeing it in droves. Right, um, summertime was the perfect opportunity for a group of friends to get together and practice their skills with each other, learn from each other, learn the rules of the game from each other, learn social skills from each other. You know, a pickup game of football basketball baseball whatever they were doing at the local playground no refs no coaches no parents just a bunch of kids like throwing sand in each other's eyes if they screwed up and and i i don't mean that to sound ugly that that was the truth now Our kids don't even see each other through the summer because they're in football camp or they're in wrestling camp or they're in hockey camp or they're going to this personal trainer five days a week. Or what in the hell are we doing?
4: Yeah, I know. I was just talking to a guy yesterday. I actually interviewed him and he told me he's in wrestling and he told me that he actually did not start wrestling and playing sports until he was in middle school. And he says he knows that was very odd uh, because nowadays they start them, you know, three, four, five, six years old. They're playing on competitive teams. And, um, you know, I think that the the thing is, is that a lot of times parents think, well, I have to start my kids doing something. I got to start them or they're going to, you know, get behind or whatever. And the most important thing is that kids are out there moving and running and playing and exercising and you know, the skill stuff, you know, that, that always, that doesn't have to start when you're five, six years old, you know, it's ridiculous. And, um, I mean, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't let your kid play soccer because, and, you know, T-ball, we did all that and it was fun. Our kids loved it, but there's, you got to let kids have time to be kids, you know, just let them have fun and and play and do their own thing. And, and sad to say, you know, that seems to be happening less and less. I see it too. And it's, it breaks my heart because, you know, the sport that
1: you're the best at is the one that you're the most passionate about. And if the person who is supposed to be igniting that passion in you is actually driving it out of you, how do we expect our kids to excel?
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, no, you can't do that. In fact, you know i think that i just i just actually wrote a blog post recently called the, how to give the game back to your kids like today starting today when you go to the game practical ways that you actually give it back to your kids and you know it's just it's such a mindset and such a paradigm shift for parents to to back off and to to see the bigger picture but i think it starts with everyday choices that you make i mean when you go to the game today You have a choice. Are you going to be a crazy lunatic, uh, you know, pacing the sidelines? Or are you going to sit and watch the game and enjoy? You have a choice. No one's making you behave that way. So, you know, making choices kind of goes back to just building good habits as sports parents. And that's why I wrote 11 Habits for Happy and Positive Sports Parents, my newest book, because there's just 11 things that if you did these habits and worked on them daily and Every game you go to or every practice you go to and, and just worked at them over time. And that will build not only you will not only will you be a happier sports parent, but your kids will have a better foundation. And and you, you're you ultimately shaping their destiny by reforming your own habits. It's so true.
1: I mean, I, I hear I hear you saying that, and then, like, part of me is going, well, you know, I am the crazy, like, I can't sit down at one of my kids' games because I'm just so excited. Um, and yet, I'm, I I never yell disparaging things. That's That's an absolute statement that's not true. <laughs> I don't yell disparaging things. I try to cheer my kids on in every way I possibly can. Sometimes that comes out a little bit like, don't let that dirty player you know, get to you, or, or don't let that head jab get to you, or don't let, you know what I mean, like, sometimes I, I am a little passive aggressive, but at the same time, if somebody, if the other team scores, like, a, makes a really good pass, I'm going to be like, Holy crap! That was a really good pass. Like, <laughs> I'm not the parent who says tells my kid to knock him out of the game, or you know that kid's really good, hit his knee. I I notice he has a hurt knee, take him out of the knee. But we literally hear stuff like that.
4: Oh yeah, oh yeah, and you know, back to the to you expressing yourself, I totally understand that. I I know that I. I used to get so passionate and get into my kids' games. But, you know, I think if we were to look at it from the kid's perspective, and you've probably seen that video or that, I don't know if it's a, a photograph or a video where the kid is like, you know, comes in and starts, you know, cheering his mom on for something that she's doing ridiculous, like cooking the eggs. or Don't do that, mom. Or, mom, watch out. Or, don't do this, mom. You know, and, and they're kind of reversing the roles and the parents like what like you must be insane what do you you, my job you know so i think sometimes we just might need to to take that perspective a little bit of the kids might be thinking i'm you don't need to sit here and yell at me every single thing to do mom and dad i know you know Mm -hmm. so just you know encouraging you that in, in that sense that um And sometimes I think it's distracting for them, too. You know, they're playing and they're trying to... There's so much noise going on. There's people yelling in their stands. The coach is talking to them. Their teammates are yelling. And you're yelling. And it's like there's so much to hear and to listen to. So they have to, you know... It's easy not... It's easy for them to get distracted.
1: I have literally heard parents on the sidelines yelling to their child in a sport, saying, honest to God, these actual words you don't listen to that coach right now. You listen to me. I've literally heard parents do, where does that mindset even come from? Uh,
4: well, <laughs> I don't know where it comes from, but <laughs> it's a very destructive. Um, for The child, it confuses them. It, um, you know, if you don't like the coach parents, then find another team or, or do something about it. But, to undermine the coach in front of your kids, I mean, my husband coached, like a, like you said, for three decades, and you could always tell the kids, and, and when my kids played, you could always tell the kids whose parents would undermine the coach's uh, credibility and authority by the way the ch- kid treated the coach. And it may mm-hmm. seem innocent when they're little, but if that continues as they grow up and and they go home and they hear their parents bashing the coach and you know undermining the coach you know then that kid is going to bring that to the game and to practice and it's going to show and the coach and they're not going to be coachable they're not going to be teachable so it's you know no coach is perfect obviously but you know that's a whole other story (laughs)
1: you know i love what you said there at the end too janice um It's so important to raise kids to be coachable. And a lot of times as parents, if we think that we're really, really good at something, we want our talent to shine through in our kid. So we will like undermine the coach's decisions or tell our kids a different way to do things. But what we need to realize and remember is our kids are completely different from us. They came from us, but they aren't us. So what worked for you may not work for your child, and it's your coach's job. It's their coach's job to put them in the position where they do the best for the team and to coach them in the way that they learn the best. So it may be that you think the coach should put, you know, my kid should have been in this position, and I don't understand why he didn't put him there, and I'm going to tell him what to do, and that coach is shitty. But the fact of the matter is that coach in that sport, in that moment, may know your kid better than you do because you have an alternative agenda.
4: Yeah. And I, and you know, I would encourage, I mean, if you really wonder why your kid isn't playing my, when my husband coached football, there was a mom that her, she actually homeschooled her son and she would drive him to practice in California. We could, the homeschool kids could play. So she'd drive him to practice. He was in ninth grade and she lived too far away. She didn't want to go home. So she sat through the entire practice and then, She
1: she would oop I lost you Janice are you still there can you hear me oh there you go
4: okay she would sit through the whole practice and 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 she would she was my husband's biggest defender because when parents would complain she would say. You know, I've watched your son in practice and he he doesn't try hard. He doesn't work hard, you know. And so parents don't see everything that coaches see in practice day in and day out, day in and day out. They only see when you're watching a game, you usually just focus on your child. You're not looking at the entire picture of the whole team, which is what the coach is hopefully looking at. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And you know, it's so funny because that was a parent who came to every single practice and sat through every single practice and actually turned out to be an ally. The ones that make me crazy are the ones that come to every single practice and sit there and critique their kid, the entire practice. It's like, you know what? They're never going to sink as a team. If you keep singling out your kid.
4: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't normally advocate that parents go to sit through practices, but her extenuating circumstances are that she lives too far, too far away. So Mm. I would say, don't stay at practice. You know, it's like, you've got to let go. You've got to let your kid explore and learn and, and be on their own without you hovering over every little thing that they do. Um, gosh, parents, that's just something that, you know, you've got to start doing that because it's going to get harder and harder. My kids are all in their twenties now and, it's, sometimes it's hard for me not to to want to jump in and fix things and do things, but you guys know <laughs> exactly.
1: And I think the hardest thing that I face is raising a a player who has great um, sportsmanship um, and seeing him in individual sports like wrestling against kids who don't. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the dirty wrestlers. That's my biggest. That's my biggest sticky point. Yeah. You, you know.
4: Because obviously, you know, you're trying to make your kid be a team player and to have good sportsmanship, but not every parent is. And so your child is going to always run into to opponents who, who are not good team players and who don't exhibit the sportsmanship characteristics. But, you know, you just got to pass on and, and play your game and do what you know is right. And if kids want to quit? Uh, we always told our kids, you, you finish the season. Mm-hmm. Unless there's really something terrible, like you get injured really bad or, you know, I, I can't even fathom what it is, but something really extenuating. Other than that, you finish the season. And, and we always told our kids, because kids can get emotional, and so a lot of times they're they're in the midst of their emotions, I want to quit. And we said, no, no, no. You finish the season when you're not so emotional, then you decide, do you want to quit? And if you do, that's fine. We're not going to make you play the sport. but. You wait till you're over your emotions of the moment when you're done with the season and you re-evaluate and you and you decide then. Great. Such great advice. Thank you so much, Janice, for being on the show and for
1: sharing all this awesome information with us. And you can find Janet's, all Janice's information on jbmthinks.com, all her books and her blogs and her articles. And we come back from this break, we're going to be talking with Mike Ferry about Wired to Wine. So stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back
0: iTunes player. Uh, oh, f- it's Parrot Nation. Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break, and then we'll be right back with more parenting with a twist.
3: Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on togynet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond.
2: Do you need some new motivation to give your exercise some kick? you should consider training to run a marathon. Most people would agree. 26.2 miles is a long way to run. Yet that is what thousands of people do every year when they run a marathon. The runner's feet will slam into the hard road about 26,000 times each. Most participants do not run a marathon to win. Their reasons vary from challenging themselves to having a goal to just to prove that they can do it. There are 245 marathons in the United States each year. The average time for men to run a marathon is four and a half hours, and for women, it's a little over five hours. You may be thinking about running marathons, and my suggestion is, go for it. If you decide to participate in a marathon, you will train and exercise quite a bit, and I like that. I'm Annette Hammond.
1: Hey, Parent Nation, welcome back to the show. My next guest is Mike Ferry, and he is the author of Wired to Wine. And uh, he is an amazing parenting expert. He is a veteran teacher, a parent of four children. Um, he teaches happiness um, innovate, happiness and creativity, which I love. He does it with a really funny, um, optimistic, personal viewpoint, which I you know, that that just fits into everything that we do. And, you know, how are you going to teach happiness without having a sense of humor? And I just don't understand (laughs) how that's even possible. Um, But I love his new book because he's really talking about happiness, teaching happiness to our children, which is something that we've we've been accustomed to waiting until we're in our 30s and 40s and going through a depression to start learning about. And I love that he's bringing it to our kids. So, hey, Mike, how are you?
5: Hey Tara, I'm doing great, thanks so much for uh, for having me on.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, you may have noticed our show is pretty much about happiness and cultivating it.
5: Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and and that's something that we can do.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. I am I'm I'm struggling right now. I think Parent Nation really needs your help and guidance this week uh, phenomenally. It's it's become a really dark place um this social media world that our kids are kind of drowning in and addicted to has actually become a place that's giving them information that i don't think a lot of parents want their kids to have right now and we're struggling with conversations um that are hard and sad and we need to get more happy back I think it's, it's hard to find happiness in social media right now. And so what would you say to parent nation who is grieving and struggling to, you know, connect with their kids on a joyful level?
5: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it certainly is really hard. It's uh, it seems like a dark and scary world more so than ever before these days. If you look at the headlines, uh, I mean, just, look at what just happened recently in Orlando and you know Paris before that and, and on and on and on. Um, yeah, I, I would say just first and foremost, when there is a tragedy like what we've just recently experienced, the first thing is to limit the input as much as we can. And as you said, a lot of that is beyond our control because the internet knows no boundaries and our kids can find whatever they want to find. Um, but, you know, it, just to try the very best that we can to create an atmosphere of positivity at home. And, you know, that the world has always been a dark and scary place, but it's just because of technology now that we're so uh, tied into it. Because wh- whether something happens down the block or across an ocean, with our 24-hour news cycle and with easy access to the Internet, you can be tapped into any kind of a tragic situation that's going on anywhere, but happiness and emotional well-being come from within. And as parents, if we can help our kids practice habits that will lead to positive mental health, then uh, we're going to get them on track for the life we want for them.
1: Mm, I love that. And you know, it's funny to me. I have I have 3 teenage boys that are living in my house right now. And one of them one of them is completely flatlined like he's logic. I don't mean flatlined like dead. I mean like emotionally he is logic centered 100%. He has Aspergers and he's like, you know, everything is on a logical plane for him. I have another one who is Debbie Downer. You know, like he's taken logic to the nth degree and he is the devil's advocate for everything. And then I have another one who is like joy incarnate. Like no matter what happens, he'll turn around and start talking about like an Oreo cookie pie recipe that he just found or like he's always trying to break a a sad mood. He's always that person who brings the joy into the room, even when he's not having a good day. You know, and I, I find it amazing that three completely different personality styles can exist in the same house with the same parents.
5: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, my, my, my wife and I have four kids three boys and a girl, and they are all distinct, they're all totally different. Um, you know, fortunately, most of them are happy most of the time, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's funny when. When, when your kids are growing up and you look at them and you think, really? that they all come from the same gene pool? I mean what, what happened here?
1: <laughs> so do you have any suggestions for things that we can do that kind of will bring up the the emotional level, the the happiness vibration for everybody at the same time, even if just for a, a few moments?
5: Sure, sure. Well, and actually in, in your uh, in your lead-in to this segment, uh, I love the fact that you talked about how as parents, um, and I guess more specifically moms, but plenty of dads too, uh, you know, so many of us as parents are in our 30s and 40s, and life is just not as fulfilling as it used to be. And it's not as easy as it was when we were younger to, uh, to be happy. We sort of have to work at it. It's sort of like our overall energy level and fitness. You know, you, you're not just naturally going to be as energetic as you were when you were a teenager. You have to actually do some things intentionally to, to work at it. And the same thing goes with our happiness, with our emotional well-being. So as we are developing happiness for our kids, we're, we're helping ourselves at the same time. And so many of us need that. We need to reconnect with our, uh, our sense of joy. And uh, you really, I would say, the easiest path to follow, the, the simplest way to get on track for happiness for your kids and for yourself is to start practicing gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, grat- and uh, I, I know that gratitude is something that, that matters a lot to you, you know, just from the brief time I had to, uh, you know, to look at your website and to find out more about your show and your various mm-hmm. offerings. Um, but you know, gratitude it just it lifts our mood, And actually, it's connected to the brain chemical dopamine. And uh, the more time we spend being grateful, the more dopamine we get in our brains. And dopamine is the happiness neurotransmitter. It it lifts our moods. Uh, It's absolutely drug free, uh, cost free, doesn't require a prescription. And if we can set up our day so that in regular intervals we are reflecting on things we're grateful for, then we're going to get an infusion of that dopamine and. Literally, we're going to change our brain chemistry. And this this is something that any of us can do at any time.
1: Wow. And it's so amazing. Okay, so first of all, I want to point out, Mike, that just the fact that you didn't give me um, a blanket platitude, you actually said that you had looked – that you – that you looked at my website, that you researched what I do, and that you, you saw value in what I was creating, that completely shifted my mindset. The fact that you were action-specific and pointed out very specific things that you were grateful for about me changed my mindset. And I think that we need to do more of that with our kids in alignment with what you just described you know, with that, with those five minutes of gratitude practices that we can do with our kids. I, I had a situation yesterday where I actually had to correct one of the boys. And when I said to him, you know, I appreciate where you're coming from and I trust you. And if anything ever happened to you, I would die because I, I care about you so much. It took a correction and it put him in alignment with where I was coming from and why I was doing what I, what I had to do, why I was saying the things that I was saying to him. It wasn't, I'm putting you down and making you feel like an ass. It's, I'm telling you how important you are to me and that's why this affected me so deeply that I felt I needed to correct you. And I think that we have lost that a lot. We've lost that connection a lot because of social media. We've become disconnected with the with the real emotions of talking to someone on a deep level, even when we're correcting them.
5: Yeah, yeah. No, you're exactly right. And for so many different reasons, this, is, this has to be the hardest time in the history of the world to be a parent mm-hmm. because uh, it, it is really easy to disappear behind the, the veneer of social media. And uh, our kids, are being influenced by more voices than ever before. If you think about it, uh, they're being influenced by their parents, by teachers, by their friends, in in person, but then also they're influenced by all the traffic that happens over the internet and through uh, through text messaging and email and social media and all, all the rest of it. So more than ever, uh, it, it's a it's a greater challenge to be a parent, but also we we really have to create uh, this this cocoon of positivity at home because mm-hmm. our kids are not necessarily going to get it from from their peers, from the media, from uh, from everything else that's out there, and you know gratitude is uh, is so easy, and it, as you said. Uh, the more specifically to can make it, the more effective it will be. And uh, what one recommendation I have for parents is uh, to just get a stack of Post-it notes. And with your kids, write down or maybe draw a picture of something you're grateful for once or twice a day and put it up on the wall in your kitchen. And... Uh, by doing this, not only are you reflecting on gratitude and you're giving yourself a little dopamine infusion, but whenever you pass by that gratitude wall in the kitchen, you're visually reminded of your blessings. Because it, it's so easy for us to forget. And we get bogged down by the stress of life, and we tend to focus more on the things that are going wrong rather than on the things that are going right. But mm. you, if you take the time to write it down and put it up there visually see so you to be reminded, then uh, it, it's gonna stick
1: yeah, oh my gosh, that's so awesome and I love the idea of a gratitude wall you talk about I mean to me that's a big part of what you talk about creativity and how creativity spurs happiness and to me that's just one of those another one of those creative ideas that you know, it's not in the parenting manual. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. We we need other people to bring that stuff to us. You do talk a lot about the relationship between creativity and happiness. I I have one kid who's super creative and another one who's not. But you say that we can actually um, create creativity within our, our kids. Is that true?
5: Sure. Sure we can. And... Well, uh, we can become happier with practice, and we can become more creative with practice. And, uh, you know, you just start small, and you try to build this into your habits and your routines. Uh, but then over time, uh, and it's just like any other muscle, as you exercise uh, in any muscle, whether it's in your, in your head or anywhere else, it's going to get stronger. And it'll be easier to use that muscle. And you know, creativity operates exactly the same way. So, you know, I, I would say, as uh, as you're getting in the habit of being more grateful, you can also try to incorporate some creativity into your day, every day. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be anything over the top. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. Uh, you, actually, one thing that I do in my classroom, my middle school classroom, is I, I write up five totally random words on the whiteboard, and I get my students to come up with uh, just a quick little short story, one or two sentences. You know, it, it, you can write it down if you want, or you can just say it verbally, whatever. And uh, what, let's see, I'm trying to think of one that I had up there recently. I had uh, stapler orange seattle george washington and water buffalo <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just five totally crazy things and it, if you're having trouble coming up with five things you know you can just go to the dictionary or the newspaper or a magazine and just put your finger down randomly on five things and it's uh, it, it's really cool you know Kids love that. Uh, I, I teach. I teach sixth grade, eleven and twelve year olds, and um, they just love that quirky novel sort of thing. And uh, you know, teenagers are wired the same way that's so awesome
1: I love doing stuff like that it's like I said in the opening you know I love just doing random dance parties and you know we took a, a song that came on the radio and we started singing it like we were the church lady or that it, like it was written in classical music and just doing crazy funny things like that and the whole time dad's like oh my god please stop and little teens in the back going shut up but it was fun and that's, that's what I absolutely love about those kind of creativity things oh my gosh Mike thank you so so much for bringing your your information and your happiness to our show today we really need it and for parent nation check out his book teaching happiness and innovation and you can check out mike ferry's yeah i'm assuming your website we have like 15 seconds what's your website mike
5: it's what happiness and innovation dot com that's awesome
1: Thank you so much, and Parent Nation, check out the website, check out the Parent Nation Facebook page, and until next week, everybody, keep playing. Parenting has to contain a hidden message or a life lesson. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up?
0: Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this
1: parent nation why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling it